toddler's ABCs. Athletics beyond coronavirus. Hillel Cutler's ABCs. Athletics beyond coronavirus. Hillel Ascribe Welcome to Hillel Cutler's ABC's Athletics Beyond Coronavirus. I'm Hillel Cutler, a journalist who specializes in both healthcare and sports. In this era of the coronavirus and the precautions that are helping to save our lives by limiting the spread of the disease, shuttered sports leagues have reopened in limited form. I interview people who are exhibit A of this sports experiment, the athletes, the coaches, the broadcasters, and the executives. I'm very interested in the effect on fans. In the reopened leagues, most stadiums have not returned to their full capacity of fans. On this podcast, we discuss the very real here and now, and also the day after, when the lives that we prefer to live can resume, and when the sports we love return in earnest with fans filling the seats. I welcome your comments, including suggestions for interviews. Just email me at hk at hillelthescribecommunications.com. Sunday, June 20th is Father's Day. Much is made every year about Mother's Day. Flowers, chocolates, brunches, heartfelt tributes. But Father's Day, not so much. I'm the father of two superb sons, and I couldn't imagine my life without them. Some of our strongest experiences together involve having a catch with a baseball or football, playing sports, teaching sports, watching sports on television, attending games together, discussing sports. Sports is certainly not the be-all and end-all of our relationship, but it's one sweet component of the glue that binds. When I consider sports and Father's Day together from the outside, one strong beacon must be the Phillies pitcher Jim Bunnings pitching a perfect game against my New York Mets in 1964 and the fact that it came on Father's Day. I think of how extra meaningful it must have been for Bunning because he had seven children at the time. He'd eventually have nine in total. Five years ago, I interviewed Bob Boone for an article. Boone enjoyed a long career in the majors, as did his father Ray, and as did his sons Brett and Aaron. Aaron now manages the New York Yankees. Another three-generation family was the Harristons, Sam, Jerry, and Scott. Major League Baseball, the NHL, the NBA, and the NFL have seen many two-generation families of players. Some have occurred in interesting combinations of leagues, like the NBA and the WNBA. For example, Harvey Catchings of the 76ers and his daughter Tamika Catchings, and Mark Allery and his daughter Bella Allery. Tamika was just inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame, and Bella now plays in her second season for the Dallas Wings. Those leagues have seen many, many sibling combinations, most famously the five Delahanty brothers who played in the majors between 1888 and 1915, and the six Sutter brothers in the NHL from 1976 to 2001. Then there were the San Francisco Giants teammates, Felipe, Matty, and Jesus Alou, who played in the outfield together in 1963 with the San Francisco Giants. In fact, Felipe's son, Moises, also enjoyed a long MLB career. I've always been intrigued by the siblings' dynamics during their careers and by how the parents of many pro athletes see their children or child as compared to parents of children working non-sports careers. In honor of Father's Day, I'm joined now by Manny Upton. Manny is a mortgage loan officer in Chesapeake, Virginia. Until 2016, he had two sons playing in the major leagues, 
Justin and BJ, both outfielders. BJ played for 12 years through, as I say, 2016. Justin is now in his 15th season. He's the LA Angels starting left fielder. Many Upton, welcome to Hillel Cutler's ABC's Athletics Beyond Coronavirus. And many, I'd like to pick up with the last point, which is how it's struck you having sons playing Major League Baseball. Uh, well, first of all, uh, I never stressed that they would be, being that my wife is a school teacher, we never stressed that you're going to play professional baseball. Back uh, when BJ was in the second grade, he, uh, the teacher asked him what you want to be in your career. He said a pro baseball player. And uh, the teacher, we happened to see the teacher a few years after he started playing. And she said the kids laughed at it. And uh, so he got the last laugh, but uh, we never stress, uh, we always stress academics. And uh, just having both of them, having one make it is a blessing, but to have two make it is, uh, is a double blessing. So it was, it's a very humbling uh, thing to have when you have two sons and make it, make it major league. And on top of that, be the highest two drafted players in, in major league baseball history. So uh, it's a very humbling thing and, uh, and also at the same time a blessing. Well, so what, what's it like going to their games now that they're at the highest level of, of pro baseball? It used to, it used to be, uh, used to be nervous because it, it's been, you know, so many times uh, first rounders are, are be flopped. So but by, by their fifth, by their fifth or sixth year, we kind of knew they fit. And, uh, but it's still a little tense. You want them to do well every time you go. So you always want your kids to do well regardless of what they're doing. So, uh, but it's a little bit easier now that uh, it was easier, easier when BJ was a veteran. And now that Justin been in 15 years, he kind of knows his path, what he need to do to get to, you know, to maintain what he's doing that he loves. So how do you, how does it strike you when you're in the stands watching one or both of them playing? Of course, they, they had two occasions when they were teammates with yeah. the Braves and the Padres uh, in the past decade. And how, how does it strike you when you're in the stands watching them having all the pride that a parent would have in any child and you hear fans making neg negative comments about them, particularly if you're in a stadium in which your sons are the road team. Uh, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> it probably bothers me, my wife more than anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, being that I've re I refereed college basketball for a long time, and so I was used to the heckling. So, and they were used to it because they used to go to the game. So it, it it doesn't bother me at all. It, it probably bothers my wife more than it bothers uh, me. So what does she do? How does she respond? <laughs> she get upset. Mm -hmm. I can remember a time in Atlanta, she had a guy put out of the game. Uh, we, because in Atlanta they play together, mm -hmm. and uh, we were sitting in a, what they call the SunTrust Club, and uh, this guy was getting on BJ pretty hard, and uh, she got the option. We had a pretty good relationship with the folks in Atlanta at the time, and uh, she had a guy put out. Uh, he had said some vulgar things too, so. And and people in front of him, people said, "Man, there's the parents back there." So he, he he didn't comment down. So she had him put out. But for the most part, she she can uh, 
she hands it pretty good. You used the word humbling before. Can you describe a little bit more about that, like a bit about the pride that you as a parent feel watching your your sons making their way in baseball, being cheered by fans, having very long long careers way beyond the, the average in, in Major League Baseball. What kind of pride does that instill in you? Uh, you know, everybody, every parent wants a kid to be successful, uh, regardless whether they're doctors or, or lawyers or just uh, me, a school teacher, whatever they're doing in the profession, as long as they're doing it, they enjoy it. And the biggest thing you want you, I want my boys to be successful regardless of what it was. And, uh, but being pro baseball players certainly is humbling because they, the major, at Major League Baseball, the most that make, make it is 1,500 kids a year or players a year, that's the, and when you look at that, it's gotta be humbling in a, in a way that, when you don't look at all the baseball players who who start off playing high school baseball, or college baseball, and it's getting smaller as you go. Uh, high school's a lot, and college is very little, then you know, even good, getting to uh, single A, double A, I mean, I tell people all the time that if your kid get drafted, it's an honor regardless of what round it is. It's an honor because very few kids get drafted. I mean, there used to be 35, 40 rounds, then it's only 20 rounds, so, and it's only 32 teams, so it's not that many kids uh, being drafted by all those teams. So even if you're the last player drafted, it should be an honor uh, to be, be drafted. So it was humbling being that uh, we never pushed baseball or or they played other sports to, to be a professional athlete. I knew how hard it would be. Uh, so that's why I think it's a humbling and, and, uh, and you should be thankful that you're there. So when, when they were growing up, what other interests do they have outside of baseball that they might have pursued into a career if they? Uh, well, both of them played football as well. And uh, BJ got recruited to play baseball at Florida State. He was going to play. He was going to play football there as well. Uh, Justin was a football player too, and uh, he was being recruited to play football. So both of them being recruited to play football. I mean, outside of sports. Outside of sports, uh, man, I can't remember what Justin, what both of them were going to be. Uh, man, I can't remember. Um, I, coaches. Both of them want, want to be coach. They want to be coaches. Uh, so I think that would have been their their niche. They would have been uh, not played pro professional sports. I, I mean, do do you think that they'll want to go into coaching once they're, you know, well, in in Justin's case, once his career is over? Oh, uh, yeah, because BJ, um, I take a, I take a team to Atlanta. Uh, every year to play in a tournament is for kid uh, kids who can't afford to do the big events like the perfect games and parents can't afford it. And uh, then we take also that from that tournament, we comprise an all-star team to take to uh, Jupiter, Florida, which we were, we took the first all African-American baseball team to that big whip that tournament in Jupiter, Florida. And uh, BJ came down and helped us. Had, had He'd been coming down since he retired to help us coach the team. So I think eventually he will. So w w when you think of baseball on Father's Day, of course, Father's Day falls every year during the baseball season in June. 
when you think of them in combination, what comes to mind for you? Uh, probably the biggest thing for me on Father's Day uh, in Atlanta when both of them played together. I had an, it, they did a three generational uh, uh, Father's Day tribute, and it was uh, BJ, uh, his son, his, my grandson, and myself. Mm. And uh, and we, I think we threw it to Justin. So it was all of us on the field together, and uh, and that was probably the biggest thing for me on Father's Day. Did any of them have a particularly good game? on Father's Day during their careers, whether you were there or not there, that sort of sticks out in your mind? I can't remember. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, if we did, and I can't remember what I think. I don't know if they hit home runs that day when we were in Atlanta together or not, but uh, I certainly remember a lot of good games, but not one particular one on Father's Day. Yeah, I I'm wondering, like, I'm sort of putting myself in your place looking at the outfield when when the Braves of the Padres were in the field that half inning and seeing both of them in the outfield at the same time wearing the same uniform, you know, two thirds of the outfielders come out of your family. What, just that image in your mind. Um, what did you think the first time that you saw that or at any time that you saw that? Well, we were, my wife and I were overjoyed uh, because they had never played any three years apart. Yeah. So they had never really played together, not even growing up. Because you know, BJ Pell a very good travel team with uh, Ryan Zimmerman and David Wright and Mark Reynolds, those guys who eventually played pro baseball. So mm -hmm. even though Jeff was pretty good for his age, he gonna play with that group. And to see him on the field the first time in Atlanta on opening day was it was a joyful moment. And uh, being a, when them when people ask us when the, what was the best time of the uh, life seeing your boys play baseball is always when they play together. I mean, uh, I can imagine how it was for King, King Griffith Sr. and Jr. to even to play together. Sure. Uh, yeah. uh, then to have both of your sons on the field at the same time on opening day, starting it uh, for, you know, it's just a dream. You can't write it. I mean, you can't script it. It's just a dream, you know? And, and uh, it brings, puts a smile on my, my face and my wife's face every time we think about when they play together in Atlanta and San Diego. It's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, have there been occasions when you and your wife had to decide who would go to whose game? Because, for example, maybe both teams were in a pennant drive at the same time, or for some other reason, you both wanted to be at the games, but they're playing in different cities and you have to make a decision about who would be where, when. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't, uh, they never made the playoffs at the same time, but, uh, um, we've, we've always had, when they were playing together and playing, uh, uh, different teams, we always, always schedule to see both of them equally time in, uh, their city. So we would spend one week here, come on a week, go spend another week in, uh, with the other one. So, uh, so fortune BJ was always on the East coast, uh, so we were able to get in there like a weekend series. When we went to see Justin, it was always out west, so we had to play a whole week. So that's why it was so good when uh, they were together in Atlanta and San Diego, especially Atlanta. Uh, we could get out of here on uh, Friday afternoon and see uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and be back home in no, in no time. Uh, so that was, that was probably the most fun time.
Yeah, so close to where you live in uh, yeah. southern southeastern Virginia. Well, you mentioned you mentioned some of those guys. I mean, David Wright, Brian Zimmerman, Mark Reynolds, and the two <laughs> the two Upton fellows. I mean, that's that's some roster. You know, five guys uh, playing in the major leagues more or less at the same time from the same yeah. area, sort of the Norfolk Chesapeake area of, um, of the very very bottom sliver of Virginia along the sea, along the ocean. Yeah. And what I'm wondering what you remember of of those guys as a group. I mean, did you did you sort of know that those that the other three guys were were also the real deal? What was the relationship like with your sons and the you know the, the Uptons and the non Uptons? Had what kind of like did they do things together outside of baseball? Were they hanging out yeah, at uh, each other's homes and stuff? Yeah. Uh, uh, Dave and uh, DJ played played baseball all the way growing up. So they were probably the closest of the two. Uh, because, and Mark Reynolds, because Mark Reynolds played on the same travel team. So they, they had a, uh, Dave and BJ especially, because uh, Dave, one year older than me, so Dave would always pick me, him and BJ would always go hit and do stuff together. And uh, and all those guys remained close. I mean, no, no jealousy of each other. Uh, I can remember being in the, uh, when they played, Atlanta played Washington. Mm -hmm. Jim came over and, and hugged us and talked to us. Uh, Cause you know, we, we all grew up together. Sure. His parents, you know, it was just, it was a good time. And, uh, they still contact, you know, I, I see Mike Kadari who was the first one, first player who got drafted out of here. Uh, I talked to Mike all the time. And, and uh, uh, Dave in the same neighborhood, you know, he said, when I come out to, come out to play, come out to see Justin in California, come play golf. So it's, it's more than just they play together. It's a friendship. Uh, and the same thing where, you know, Zimmerman was from Virginia Beach, but, but you know, but still it's a relationship there. Uh, so that's what, and that's what I, I tell people all the time, the thing about all those guys that grew up here together, no one was never jealous of, they rooted for each other uh, and have them in the, and if one having a charity event, they always help support each other. So there was no jealousy, and that was that's what I like about the guys here. They were unique. Oh, how was it seeing these guys when they were young, so much younger, to see them on the same team together in Arizona? I'm talking about Justin and Mark Reynolds. Oh, it, you know, Mark because uh, Mark's younger brother played with uh, Justin, and uh, Mark' dad now good friends. Uh, we traveled together with Mark, as I said, Mark and BJ played together. We would travel, both families traveled together. You know, we traveled to Louisiana together, we traveled to Florida together. Uh, matter of fact, uh, we went to Las Vegas together when the boys played with BJ and, uh, and David Wright and, and Mark got invited to a, what's called Top Gun Showcase. And so uh, his daddy Greg and I are real good friends and uh, I looked at it as because Justin was only 18, I think. And uh, Mark had been beat. Justin had been around Mark. So Mark was kind of, uh, hey, I'm going to take him under my wing. So it was, that, was, uh, that, was, that was nice, them being in Mobile, because Justin, had, he played in South Bend for one year. And then he went straight to Mobile. Well, he played in, no, he played in South Bend for half a year, went to Mobile, where Mark was at 18. And, and, you know, Mark had went to college, went to UVA, so he was more mature. So that that was uh, that was nice. And and 
we used to coordinate with Mark's parents when we would go down to Mobile. So it was fun. Yeah, it was a good time. You were just in Phoenix last weekend when the, uh, Justin's Angels team was in Arizona to play the Diamondbacks. How did you pick that weekend to see him specifically? Uh, Justin uh, had just, uh, he, he built him another house out there. And uh, we went, uh, you know, see the house and help him with some stuff, him and his wife. Of course, he played many years with the Diamondbacks early. Yeah, oh, yeah. So he, he's, he's going to stay there, and BJ's living in Tampa now. Yeah. So you've, you've got a lot of traveling to do the rest of your life, don't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what was it like being in the stands uh, in, the, in the, you know, sort of this first, this first uh, experiment, as I say before, with stadiums reopening and what, what were the rules and, and regulations uh, as far as the, um, the conditions in the stadium for that set of games? We didn't go to any, any um, uh, spring training games. Well, we went to one. Uh, limited capacity, and the same thing with the first opening. But at uh, in, in the first game, we they wouldn't allow us down to the uh, family area. The first game, and then the, the third, like the second and third game, we went. The Angels they did allow us down, but this weekend in, in Arizona, they were let, they were not letting anybody down to the family area, so we had to wait. But uh, it was fine. I mean, they got to protect the players, and I understand. So you didn't get to see Justin until after the game for dinner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Before you could go in the, in the you know, player, player's area, the family could, but we normally don't seem to have the game anyway. So. What was the, um, what was the capacity allowable at, at the stadium last weekend? Like, was I, it filled or? Yeah, it wasn't full, no. Mm -hmm. Today is the first day the Angels, Angels will be full of capacity, but I don't know when Arizona Arizona may do it at the same time. I think maybe the baseball allowed it. Today may be the day they're doing it. I'm not sure. But I know the Angels are opening their stadium to full capacity tonight. Right. They're, they're um, Justin's playing at home, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So did you have to still wear masks, or that was not a requirement anymore? Um, I will mind. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a requirement. Uh, I, you know, it's from city to city. It depends on the city. When you were in Arizona last weekend, did you have to wear a mask or not? Uh, nah, you didn't, because I saw a lot of people in the stands with no mask. But we wore ours from, I was with, with uh, my daughter-in-law and my grandkids. Uh, we wore ours from, from, uh, the parking lot, not from the parking lot, but once we got to the end of the stadium, we walked mass till we got to where we are, the suite we were in. And when we were in the suite, it was basically family who had been vaccinated. So we did not wear it in there. But, but for the most part, I didn't see anybody with any mask on in the stadium. So you feel pretty comfortable going back into a, into a fairly full seating environment at the stadium? Uh, somewhat. I will wear my mask though. I'm going to wear mine. And what's what's the um, what are the conditions like where you live in Virginia now in terms of the health situation? It's, it's good. We're uh, I think Virginia's almost at uh, seventy percent of their 
we're, as a matter of fact, I saw that that 69.5% of, of uh, adults have been uh, not fully vaccinated, but at least one shot. So, uh, so I'm pretty comfortable here. I'm not still not going in the crowds, but I'm a, I'm going to uh, if I'm in a situation like a grocery store, somebody will wear my mask. But you've been you've been fully vaccinated, right? Absolutely. So, so did you? You mentioned being a referee. I know you referee in the Mid Eastern Athletic Conference after many years in the ACC. What, were you able to referee any basketball games this past season? I opted out. I got a, the family vote. Family voted me out. Mm -hmm. uh, my sons and uh, my wife. It was three to one that I don't referee, so I didn't referee this year. But they did play games, so I got voted out. Outvoted, so I didn't referee. Wow. So what's what's going to be next season, next winter? I'll be, I'll be back. I'll, they, they're they're. Uh, I'll be back refereeing next summer, next fall and winter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Manny, the last thing I want to ask you also deals with your side work as a referee, um, which takes so much dedication and knowledge of the rules and ability to manage personalities on the court, players, coaches, all the pressures on you from the fans. Uh, I'm wondering about what the role as a referee, how the role of a referee translates into helping you be a good spectator as a parent, whether some of the lessons, good and bad lessons you learn from what you deal with as a referee, whether that translates to being a parent, or maybe maybe vice versa, maybe it works the other way, that you know, you're, you're, you're a parent for all these years as well. How, how do they play together within, within your body, within your personality? Uh, I, I, I probably give umpires a little bit more benefit of the doubt. Uh, because every play is, uh, I know in basketball is reactionary. And the thing Justin and I talk about all the time is he doesn't mind an umpire making a mistake, but at least, like if I'm refereeing, I blow a call, I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect. So I would let it, a player or coach know, yeah, I might have missed that. Uh, and that's the thing that bothers, uh, I think, professional athletes at more than anything else is if I, if I make a mistake as an umpire or referee, don't be afraid to say I made one. And that has helped me in my basketball career and, and dealing with people. Uh, and being an athlete myself back, back when I, I knew it's emotions in, in, in the game. And so I have a little bit more tolerance level for coaches as long as they're not abusive. Uh, and my referee the same thing with umpires. They're not out there to purposely mess up. It's just a game is a reactionary game. You got, you got to, you know, split seconds, hundreds of seconds to make a decision right or wrong or indifferent. So I'm a little bit more tolerable of, of uh, umpires and understanding the situation. So, and, and with my patients that help me with and bringing up my boys is, uh, you know, they will make mistakes. And I think the biggest thing is learning from them. And that's what uh, I've always when they made when they did something, I always add, put it back on them. Why did you do it? Do you understand the consequences? So uh, all that has, has uh, invited me to be a better referee. Well, Manny Upton, thank you very much for speaking with me on Hello Colors ABC's Athletics Beyond Coronavirus. Let's hope that we can all put coronavirus behind us very soon. And Absolutely. Hope you stay healthy.
Yep. Yeah. <laughs>